0: Well, as promised, folks, we are bringing back, um, from a couple of weeks ago, we had Stephen Watson of Off-Road Design uh, who came on to originally talk to us about the Z71s, and we got sidetracked talking about UA and awesome it. builds. We covered it. Well, we did. We <laughs> did talk about as much as we knew, which was almost nothing, uh, all of us about the Z71s. Uh, but we didn't have enough time to talk to Stephen Watson about One of the most historically important things in the off-road slash truck world. The Model T. (laughs) The Model (laughs) T. No, no, not the Model T. Oh, Um, Oh, I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, the introduction of the square body Chevy truck. Now, in '73, you had the the square body Chevy and the dentside Ford, but the dentside Ford doesn't really count because it was just a rehash of an older design. Um, so, but the '73 Chevy truck was pretty much an all new design, uh, and it it was awesome, and it lasted all the way through till about. Well, 91 for the civilians, and I think 92, 93 for the commercial and military vehicles. Uh, very, very long run on the square-body Chevys. We want to talk about square-body Chevys, but we also want to talk about off-road design. So we're going to get Stephen Watson again on the phone as uh, our first, I think he's our first two-time, no, I'm sorry, Chad's been a two-time guest. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. He'll, he'll be our second two-time guest on the Wheelin. and uh, he I has like the it. great honor. Let's talk to him You know, that means today. they're tied,
1: right? Now there we go I'll Right have to do a timer It's time to hit the trail Lock in those hubs And throw it into low range Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange Broadcasting from the Thin Line Off-Road Studio They're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up. Here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny
0: Orange. All right, Stephen. Do we have you on the line, sir?
2: I am here. Can you hear me?
1: Oh, we can hear you just fine.
2: Perfect. We're winning. Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Um, It's been an entertaining two weeks. We now know who the president is. I mean, it's going to be great (laughs) going forward here, man. (laughs) Sure, John. Sure.
2: So, uh, I I put up an Instagram post about that, that that at about that time, and what I decided was that Red Rocks won. They're better than Blue Rocks. (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) I've been in Moab over the uh, was a week ago or whatever, a couple weeks back, and uh, yep, I decided the Red Rocks are better. Uh, I do like I do like Moab. are in. It was unanimous. Red Rocks are better. <laughs>
1: so, I, I want to get what, to Moab
2: so, we so bad.
0: <laughs> well, sir, I it tell you. It-
2: uh, it's a thing that you have to do.
1: There was, Anybody
2: that enjoys doing anything off-road oh, or yeah. outdoors has got to go there.
1: There was kind of a, a thing when I, so I used to play out of the original Xbox system, and there was a game. Uh, i trying to remember the title, but it was an off-road racing game. And that was one of the first real bites into the bug that I had of kind of, I mean, uh, virtual, obviously, building trucks and running off-road stuff with it. And I fell in love with it. And Moab was one of my favorite tracks in the game to play.
0: <laughs> you got to see it in person, though, John. Oh, you yeah. You really do. It's, Seeing the it's, pictures, oh, yeah. the
1: videos, hearing the stories of people who have been there, I, I must go. I must. Yeah. I have to. <laughs> we'll need to do a and yeah.
0: podcast trip, get all these uh, all these. Former guests uh, out together or something—that'd be fun.
1: That would be awesome.
0: That would be. We'll discuss this later,
2: guys. (laughs) From back east, especially when you get to a place where you can see all of the geology, you know, there's there's no trees in the way, there's very little dirt, you know, (laughs) it's uh it's just such a different environment, and then you know, driving on some of the trails where you're just driving on slick rock rocks that are uh, you know billions of cubic yards you know you're you're driving on rock pure rock for miles that's cool and it's uh it, it's a pretty amazing experience the the whole thing is just so much different than anything else that it it really makes it fun and even guys I I had a buddy that has been on dirt bikes and off-road stuff and you know factory utv uh, developer, engineer, driver hmm. that, uh, I met down in Moab and he had a, an amazing time, you know, and it's guys far from an off-road rookie and just was over the top loving driving around in Moab because it was just, it was different.
1: That's cool. Yeah. You
2: know, so it it's pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, I so can-, that
2: can probably come back around to getting you back where you started from Keith with uh with trying to get this podcast started before i derailed it (laughs) talking about moab (laughs) well i
0: really what i wanted to talk about more was um as we talked about in 71 you were very instrumental in um i already had the interest in the off-road world but you were instrumental in being one of the first people that really reached out um and and helped me to see my vision and i'm forever grateful for that Um, and and then I didn't even get to meet you in person for another 16, 18 years, whatever it was on UA, which was really awesome to finally meet this guy who, you know, had taken some time out of his day to, to really help me. Um, but I really, I'm interested in, you know, uh, you know, the square body Chevy truck came out in 73 and, you know, as, as we know, it ran for basically 20 years. And there's a lot of cool history about it. And we could get into a history-heavy episode. And if we have time, maybe we can talk about some of the history. Or you can tell us about some of the really cool points in the square-body Chevy history. But at the same point, you've got such an awesome, awesome company, Off-Road Design. Uh, Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are the founder of that company, correct?
2: Yeah. I I started it up and... Kind of ran things myself for a couple of years and then it became really obvious that i was going to need help and it uh i don't want to say in place of the first employee you know because it was way more than that but um ended up partnering with my dad to run kind of the shop side of things and then uh you know from then we started putting on uh you know some employees here and there but yeah, I started it. Uh, my dad and I are still partners in it. And uh, my mom actually works in the office some still she's kind of moved out of that. But for a while, it was her full time gig, um, helping us with all of the super important behind the scenes stuff. Um, so it's been kind of a family deal. But yeah, I started it up in the <laughs> started it in the garage as a as a fresh guy out of college.
1: That's awesome.
0: So what product got you into the industry? Like, how did you, what did you start off-road design with?
2: So I was a mechanical engineer, um, you know, went to went to uh, Colorado State in the ME program. And prior then, I had been doing a lot of off-roading stuff, but not recreational. And i you know, I'd been into, you know, I had four wheel drive magazines. I think I can go still go back and find stuff in the mid eighties. And, you know, my parents had had a 74 blazer when they moved to Colorado in 77. Um, they bought that because it became real obvious that the big car that they were driving, wasn't going to work up here in the <laughs> winter time. And they traded that off and got a, an 82 blazer that I still have the, the remains of, now, uh, they picked that up in 83 and I started driving that in 89, um, when I turned 16 and, uh, you know, we, it was a six two diesel truck, which nice. is somewhat ideal for a 16 year old, but they also are naturally going to hate it because it had no power. But, uh, you know, I drove that for a little while and then it was obvious I was going to be going over the, we live on the western slope of Colorado, and there's a couple of giant passes to get to anything on the front range. And for going to school over there, it was obvious I was going to need something with a little bit of horsepower to handle a hill. So we built a 383 for it, and then we promptly built a transmission for it. Um, and, you know, ended up with a little bit of lift on it. And I met some buddies in college that were more into recreational off road stuff and started getting into that. One had a, an FJ40 that he. He bought, kind of built, Um, it had a pair of lock rights in it, some 33-inch swampers, and had the four-speed tranny and the three-speed transfer case, Hmm. which is really a two-speed transfer case, but it's the transfer case that came behind the three-speed tranny and had a deeper gear. So, you know, this thing was an off-road beast for us at the time
0: that was and a monster truck it was 33 inch yeah. <laughs> tires right i've told that story oh. in the podcast before one of my first off-road buddies had a nissan hard body with 33 inch <laughs> tires just i mean yeah back in the day it's yeah. funny what was yeah, big I mean, to us you know?
2: Uh, you know oh and those things you know super aggressive and he just idled through mud holes that none of us could get through and you know and that that was the beginning you know we started next thing you know i've got a three-quarter ton axle swap in my blazer and a locker in it and you know could never get crazy with the tires at the time because i had to drive it a lot uh it was my only rig and you know driving a couple hundred miles to school a couple of times a year and so on but you know started building things up and i i got out of college and had taken pretty good care of uh making sure that i didn't have a bunch of debt you know i've Worked construction jobs the whole Smart. way through, and had some scholarships. So I I managed to get out of school and uh, and had some freedom, which was um it's a thing that I I tell people a lot now is you know anything you can do to build that into your life is a good idea because it lets you uh, kind of gives you the freedom to to look at what you want to do rather than what you have to do. But I I was able to spend some time figuring out and you know, I'd come up with a sway bar disconnect. In fact, your question about what product started it, that was, uh, you know, mid nineties is when things were really taken off and the, things were advancing faster in the four wheel drive world, I guess, as a way to put it. And, you know, people are looking at suspension technology and, you know, XJs had been around for a while and, you know, YJs of course were the big deal then. Um, and, disconnecting the sway bar, you know, became visible. People figured that out. And it's was like, oh, well, I can disconnect the sway bar on my blazer and it works way better, but, of course, it drives nice with it hooked up. So I came up with a sway bar disconnect for it. And I got out of school, and like I say, I had a little bit of time to, uh, to be able to figure things like this out and didn't have a, a bunch of pressure. Uh, my dad, um, some of your listeners might remember I talk about uh, – you know, my dad grew up in a refinery, um, worked on power plant stuff, worked in mines, worked commercial and residential construction up here. And um, so we basically had a fab shop out of our garage, and I was able to build some of the, the pieces, you know, I built bumpers for my rig and, you know, had fabricated this one-off set of sway bar disconnects. And I met a guy named Chris Overacker that had a, a local four-wheel drive shop here that did some really cool uh Pre-runner stuff. He was into full-size Jeep trucks, and had raced them. Uh, I, you know, I don't know that he'd actually raced Baja stuff at the time, but he'd run a couple of Mint Four Hundreds and done some other desert stuff. And he was starting Mountain Off-Road Enterprises, which is still going as a as a Jeep business, and they build a bunch of cool things. And I kind of looked at what he was doing, and you know, building uh, shackle reversal kits. That I, I actually welded some of those up when I was getting started. Um, it's like, well, I can do this. You know, he builds things and advertises them in magazines and, you know, installs these four wheel drive parts. And I didn't have any real commitments. So there was a, a quiet time sitting on a mountain trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do with my life. It's like, well, I'm going to try this out and see where it goes. (laughs) And Chris, uh, invited me to go on a trail ride, uh, a photo shoot with him, To go down to Grand Junction and do a a shoot. He was uh, showing off this shackle reversal uh, buggy leaf system and uh, doing it with four-wheel and off-road magazine. And the editor uh, that was was working on it, uh, a guy named Ed Fortson, lived in Grand Junction and was actually building a full-size Chevy project. He had a a late 70s uh, stepside truck. And he and I hit it off on this photo shoot. You know, I was able to you know, help set up shots, and you know, kind of really understood what he was looking for, and you know, and how to make all this stuff look good and make his life easier. And um, it turns out he's got a Chevy truck, and I've got i would taken a set of sway bar disconnects with me. He's like, "Wow, that is an amazing idea." We're writing a story about that. <laughs> cool. And on um, so that you know that was the very beginning right there. And then that same trip, we stopped by a, a local four wheel drive shop in Grand Junction there. And Jim Allen drives by and Jim is writing for four wheeler magazine and has an 83 blazer. That is his magazine project and just getting started building everything on it. And he, uh, he swings in and stops by and I have a set of sway bar disconnects in my backpack and it's like, Hey, check this thing out. He's like, Holy cow. We have to write an article on this. (laughs) And I mean, just like that, you know, I'm in, the two big magazines. And and this was a time when that was the media source. So, you know, I have a phone number set up, that routes into my bedroom in my parents' basement next to the garage. And, you know, these magazines come out and all of a sudden people are calling up and ordering sway bar disconnects. And it's like, wow, maybe this will work. And, you know, next thing, uh, you know, another, I guess, big media influence is, uh, david freiberger was editor of peterson's and uh he wrote an editorial about somehow it was something about a shackle flip you know there's so many of these cool ideas we need people building this stuff and one of the things he brought up was a a shackle flip and i was like well i think i maybe even built one by that time um, for my own rig and and I'd seen some others around one that uh, Chris Overacker did. Um, in his shop is his local four-wheel drive shop. He just built a, a one-off. and it's like, well, that is a good idea, and I guess I'll build that now. You know, Freiberger said so. <laughs> and next thing you know, you know we put a shackle flip on Ed Fortson's truck, and we put a shackle flip on Jim Allen's truck. and you know we write magazine articles and you know, we go on trail rides down in Moab for Jeep Safari and it's like, wow, all of a sudden I have more work than I can handle
1: nice. and
2: that, uh, that's what really kicked it off right there.
0: That's crazy. So you all started out with, uh, um, shackle, uh, sway bar disconnects <laughs> and then eventually uh, shackle reversals and things like that. And so, but I mean, yep. you, you got into so much more though. I mean, um, Today, the company. I mean, I, I. What your What are your major products today? What yeah, you do the doublers? You do the. Uh, do you do ifs to solid axle swap kits? Uh, if I'm mis- mistaken, no. Yes.
2: Um, yeah. Well, it, and one thing. Let me jump back to that sway bar disconnect real quick because it's. Uh, please do. And I, I should have remembered this story to start with, but it kind of shows. Yeah. You know, we started doing things because we were using trucks and we needed things to make them work better. And the first thing that I ever sold was a set of sway bar disconnects. And I actually sold it up on the top of the gold bar rim trail down in Moab. (laughs) And, you know, another situation I was up there on a trail ride, another guy on another trail ride, you know, we start talking, I look at his blazer and the sway bars hooked up, you know, and this is a kind of a, bony trail and you know rides rough and there's some articulation stuff getting into it it's like you should unhook your sway bar and i have this thing you know (laughs) that you can hook it back up and right there you know money changes hands and the so the the very first thing that we sold and it's something i like to keep in mind is yeah it was on the trail that's that's what we do and and it's a a pretty neat story because not everybody not everybody
0: gets that. Not everybody sold their first product so. in Moab on a trail.
2: Yeah. So I, I have a yeah, question for you then. Out in the dirt. Do,
1: right you, do you keep a set of sway bar disconnects on you at all times, just in case, because of how it all started?
2: <laughs> I probably should, but, but, uh, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I have a business card now. That works, that works, but, too. That works, too. Yeah. But that I thought that was pretty cool. And it shows, you know, all this stuff is really trail-oriented. And, you know, you talk about where we're at with our product line now, and a lot of it uh, evolved out of the, the square-body trucks because that was the big deal was, you know, that's what I had. That's what I started four-wheeling, and we started figuring out ways to make everything work better. And that's why why we developed all the stuff that we did is, you know, hey, this, this doesn't work. You know, this steering system is broken, you know, when I go four wheeling, I can't turn left. You know, we, we got to do something different, you know, Hey, I need deeper gearing because, you know, I can't do this stuff. I'm roasting trainees. I don't have any control. So we came up with a doubler kit. Um, you know, hey, hang on real quick on that with,
0: because while you, while yeah. you're on that, um, and that was something I, are you the original inventor of the 203, 205 doubler kit?
2: No, like most things in the world, nobody really knows who actually came up with a lot of this stuff.
0: There was and some homebrew stuff beforehand it, or something?
2: Yeah. You know, I'd seen, uh, you know, the shackle flip. I'd seen people doing one-offs before, and we kind of commercialized it. You know, we built a bolt-on thing that a guy could buy and put on their truck. Nice. And same similar thing with the doubler kit, um, I think thought it was more original than it was when I found out later, but, um, you know, I've heard rumors of guys in Iceland gutting 203s and using the reduction box in the seventies. And, you know, that I have no evidence of any of that. It's, you know, just kind of been a rumor, but, um, come to find out, um, Adam Woodley at wide open design, his dad built doubler kits for years and I have no idea how far back that goes, but it, you know, it was local stuff for local guys. Um, and Wagner machine was the, was a similar way. Um, they were a shop in Oklahoma that, um, you know, none of it was commercial. You didn't find anything in the magazines. Um, but if you lived anywhere near there and, and knew those guys from, you know, from the trails or whatever, um, they could get you a doubler kit built. And, We took the idea, and like I say, I kind of thought it was more original and then found out that other people had been doing it. But really, our claim there is that we commercialized it. You know, turned it into something that we had all of the parts in one place and even the support pieces for being able to build you a complete 203. You know, we could build the the reduction box, put our adapter on it, send you the whole thing to bolt on your tranny. Um, We could build you a complete 205. and, And, you know, we still do these things. Um, you know, so you could order a complete package or if all you need is the adapter to put your 203 and your 205 together, we, we can do that. And it isn't, uh, there's always little variations and, you know, you gotta, gotta be able to mess with stuff, but you know, for the most part, it's bolt in stuff and you just put it together. So that's, uh that was kind of our deal is some of it seems pretty original and then you find out it's, it's really not. And I think it's that way for most of the, the off-road world. Shoot. I, one of the things I was going to bring up there earlier too, is chromoly axle shafts. You know, that was a, a huge deal there in the late nineties, you know, Warren came out with those chromoly axles and, you know, for Dana 44s and it, it was huge, you know, and now all of a sudden these axles are, are, whatever percent stronger and that was uh you know a groundbreaking use of that material and we ended up uh i had the first set of warren's 10 bolt axle shafts and there was actually some machining stuff that we had to collaborate back and forth with them a little bit to get them machined right to fit in the 10 bolt carrier um and but then i'm talking to some old desert race guys and they're like oh yeah there was this team down in phoenix that was running the old g poncho trucks in the 80s and they couldn't keep axle shafts in them and so they turned out these billet 4340 dana 44 axles i was like what you know yeah that's that was some crazy stuff back there, cool for the time cool though yeah. yeah you know that's a guy standing at a manual machine turning these things out of a chunk of Ugh. bar you know no forgings involved it's, so long day yeah, everything that we think is new Somebody's probably thought of it before, um, but it may not just be fully refined, fully commercialized, fully set up as something that the bugs are worked out uh, and that kind of stuff.
0: Well, that's that's what I'd like to say there too. Um, uh, I Now, I've personally never run a 203, 205 doubler, but I've known and wheeled with Many, many people that have. And something that I have known and observed firsthand over the years, uh, without mentioning names of, say, potential competitors or anything like that, but um, there have been, in some of the lower-scale production um You know, outfits, there have been issues with uh, engagements, uh, machining being slightly off because these are things were done by hand on a bridge port or whatever the case may have been. Um, And people have had, um, I guess, you know mixed luck with some of the smaller outfits there but i tell you what uh in in my now 20 years of wheeling and seeing i don't know how many ord 203 205 doubler setups on the trail i have never heard about anybody having an issue with any of your stuff and like you said you commercialized it so in some manner of it you put an engineering mind to this product and made it so it was you know it, it was beyond the whack and tap with uh some parts in your garage to an actual produced product that you could have faith in and you know that's a very important thing because a guy you know building an off-road truck the last thing he wants to do is take you know his one or two weekends uh off that he can get from his day job a year go out on the trail and then all of a sudden break because of some crappy machining or something uh you know, I've never seen a, an issue with any of your products on the trail. Um, I'm sure John hasn't either. And, you know, so, you know, that's, uh, y- you may not have invented the product, but you sure enough put it, it into, you made it better, <laughs> and you put it into the mainstream, and you created a product that people can have faith in.
2: Well, and that, that goes back. The reason why we do this stuff is to use it, on the trails it's all you know it's kind of based on that and one of my early four-wheeling experiences you know again back in college i uh, i did a couple of trips out into utah that kind of got me these days you call it overlanding you know we we went camping with trucks but i went out into the the Mays district in canyon lands and and one trip i went solo and uh, another trip i i went with a a buddy we went into the needles district um, I did a trip out there with my brother into the maze district, you know, but on all of these, we were, you know, either myself alone or another guy in one vehicle, you know, we didn't have another rig with us. And especially when I'm out there alone, the, the maze district is something everybody, I mean, you talk about museum of off-road adventure. That's a, that's a place that needs a, a citation there. You end up somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred miles from pavement and when you get to pavement you're still not anywhere Hmm. and and those miles aren't straight you know you can't straight line it in any way there's canyons out there that you know they call it the maze for a reason you can you can get down there and get lost and when you when you do that kind of off-road travel you can't have things break you know stuff just it has to be reliable and it's a it's something that's carried through with everything that we do is is that is the number one thing is it's got to stay together and and get you home and some of it is that experience of just being far from home and needing to trust your vehicle to bring you back and and some of it it's interesting you bring up the vacation thing because man we've had talking about the doubler kit we had one customer that was super notable along those lines and and really makes us remember that concept is uh, this guy came down to Moab had had a bad trip the year before had all kinds of steering problems ended up riding with buddies on trails because his his truck I think it was a Blazer um, you know didn't work couldn't steer you know this was broken that was broken he goes home calls us gets a bunch of parts you know we do suspension pieces we get a steering system set up. He puts a doubler kit in it and has a, a local training shop install the, the doubler for him, gets everything in. He shows up in Moab, and it's jumping out of gear. And my dad and I were down there at the the Jeep Safari show and end up at the, the end of the day, we took our display apart, took his truck apart, and mixed and matched all of the pieces that we had there to get his transfer case back together because the training shop had not done things right uh they had left out an entire bearing oh jeez! it was the input bearing for the 205 Ooh. and not even machined the case you know so fortunately we had a big bearing case and you know went through the whole system rebuilt all of this stuff got it put together and that guy called up a week and a half later and was so happy because he drove his truck every day of his vacation that was at the very beginning You know, they came down, they were going to do Jeep safari and then stay for the week after. And you could tell he was just, he was dreading it. (laughs) And we got everything together and working. And he wheeled all the trails he wanted to run. He did everything he wanted to do. He drove the truck everywhere he wanted to go. He drove it onto the trailer and took it home all in one piece and was so happy and yeah, and that's the thing that we remember. Like, you, get, you talk about that guy who's only got a couple weekends off, and, you know, you want to do your once-in-a-lifetime trip out to Moab or, you know, wherever it is that you want to go, South Dakota or wh- whatever. You know, you just want your truck to work. You know, it needs to be a tool. It needs to stay together and, and let you have fun on your vacation, and that's something that's never lost on us. You know, that reliability is number one.
0: That's, uh, that's really awesome to hear. And, you know, I, I think that that's also proven by the fact that, uh, you know, you get out there on the trail, you do UA, you do other events, you know, I'm always seeing pictures and things like that out there. Obviously you were doing this wheeling way before people were doing it for the Instagram or for the gram, you know, um, you, uh, you're a true hardcore off-road wheeler who also is in the industry of producing parts. I, uh, you know, being in this industry myself, living in the Detroit, greater Detroit, Michigan area, I know a lot of people in the parts production business. And I can't tell you, you know, it, it the majority of them produce parts, sell the parts, put the parts out into the world, but they don't actually use them. They're not a hobbyist. You know, they might build one, um, you know, kind of like show vehicle that you know the old quote-unquote sema build i've been out to sema i've seen you know the pros and cons and that you know they build something and they send it out and that's it but you know you and that's one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on the podcast and now for the second time is because you're a true hardcore wheeler you're somebody that has been in this industry um you know you reach out to your customer you go above and beyond with your customers um you know, just awesome. And I know we're kind of running short on time here a little bit, but, um, you know, Stephen, I would love for you to, um, you know, tell us, uh, you know, a little bit more about uh, um, essentially, like, what is your your product line? What do you specialize in? You know, our listeners, I, I, I would bet most of our listeners have heard of Off-Road Design, but for those of them that have not um you know what what kind of vehicles do you build stuff for what is your main product line um you know what's your
1: favorite product oh i like that what's your favorite product
2: (laughs) i am a pretty big suspension guy i like good ride quality i like being able to cover terrain fast and smooth and and sometimes fast isn't even going fast you know that's something that that we found, you know, fast in the desert is a whole different story than fast in the forest. And, you know, up here, it could be being able to just go over a rough section of road at 12 to 15 miles an hour. <laughs> you could be flying doing 12 miles an hour over some of this rough stuff. And if you're doing that comfortable, it's, that's always amazing. I hate getting beat up. I hate beating the rig and suspension is what does that and and that was one of the early things that i started working on and the the extension of that is we've got a a pretty good custom spring line where we we design custom springs we've got a, a local builder that we work with to build everything absolutely to all of our specs you know we when you call up and say this is what i have this is what i want to do with it um, these are the things that I've added that add more weight and what, I'm, what I've got going as far as all the, you know, bumpers and winch and, you know, what I'm doing. Um, we spec out how many leaves, what thickness, lengths of everything, um, and, and you end up with a leaf spring that rides way better than people will give any credit to for a leaf spring. And, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go as far as saying that this is coil spring ride quality, at least until you get into longer travel coil spring stuff. You know, when you when you get into coilovers, and longer travel coils, it's a it is a different world. But you know, on a leaf sprung truck, you can make them work so well, and it's so simple, and it bolts onto you know these square body trucks. Well, bolts onto all these Chevy trucks. You know, the '72 and older, the '73 and newer, um, with our solid axle kits on the '88 to '98 trucks. You know, we bolt our custom springs into those, and you've got a like our 99 that we talked about the last time that we've had on the ultimate adventure trips. You know, it's just a a super simple, durable truck that that rides nice off road and flexes well off road and and stays together. And that's that's one of my favorites. And then uh, I guess the extension of that is we do have coilover kits for the squares uh, that go back into the 72 and older also, and we're looking at expanding that kind of forward into some of the, the newer platforms with the solid axle swaps. And man, when you, uh, you guys may have seen some pictures of our, uh, our tan convertible truck. And that thing is pretty amazing. You know, riding in that is, you know, it's borderline a, uh, an ultra four car, you know, with a, a truck skin on it and, and it works great. So, yeah, suspension definitely, and, you know, that's a bit of a blurb on our custom spring line and, and the coilover packages just let you travel over rough terrain without beating you up, and it makes you feel like after you've been on vacation for a day that you've actually been on vacation.
1: <laughs> it, nothing worse than getting done with a trip or something and you just feel like you beat. So that that's right. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Uh,
2: oh, and it's so hard on the rig, too. You you know, know, that and you, I the love back, the the back
1: in
0: the back I love that you're taking this technical approach to things and you know putting modern technology the the coil like you said going to coil springs or coil do you say coil springs or coil overs for the square bodies now
2: uh, coil overs
0: coil overs so you're doing a and this is a bolt-on kit
2: you don't get to bolt this level of stuff on <laughs> <But> <laughs> so you still you gonna weld a little not, bit. You gotta you gotta weld, and we give you all the tools to do it. Pretty darn easy. I mean, as as easy as you can do a something that's that major of a modification, um, and and the results when you're done, the uh, the trucks drive great, and that's something that people don't give enough credit to, and and kind of comes around the the square body market and we, we should probably talk about some square body tech here at some point <laughs> on your square body episode, but the, uh, it's, the, all, so you, the it's all you, man. It's all you. Yeah. Those trucks are, you know, they're getting old enough and there's, they're starting to get a little bit valuable now. And a lot of guys are, you know, this is the truck that I had in high school or like that truck, or this was my grandpa's truck or, you know, whatever they, they don't want to beat them up and they, and they shouldn't, you know, the days are over when you do the things to a vehicle like I did to my blazer. <laughs> um, but you still want to enjoy the truck. And, you know, we've come up with this term Sunday trucks, therefore going to get Sundays on Sundays and you want it to drive nice and look nice. And, you know, you want an engine that fires up What really what you have to do is take away all of the reasons that to not drive the truck. Because most of us have another car. You know, you've got the nice truck. It's your work truck, or it's your tow rig, or, you know, or you've got your wife's car. You know, whatever the situation might be, there's usually something else to drive. And we try to take away the excuses for you to not drive the cool truck. And, you know, when your wife doesn't like how it rides, you know, well, let's fix that. Let's make it so that it's not bouncy driving over everything and you know rattles everybody's teeth out <laughs> and let's make it where it feels good when you drive it so you know when you go around those couple of sharp corners by your house that the you know the steering doesn't feel all sloppy and you know let's get an engine in it that makes you want to drive it that it's fun you know it starts every time and you don't have to think about is the fuel pump going to work and is this thing going to start because I haven't touched it in a month. And the, you know, the carb always plugs up, you know, just all that stuff. Um, Let's get rid of those things and make it to where you want to drive the cool truck. And, and suspension is a big part of that. Like I say, the steering response with the coilover setups and, you know, even the ride quality with the, with the custom leaf springs can make that to where it's that truck for you.
0: So what you're doing these days uh, is you're bringing 21st century um, comfort to 1970s technology, essentially. You We're know? really
2: trying. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that
0: that's that's a yeah. really cool way to do things. Um, and like you said, these square bodies have have gotten you know a lot more valuable. Uh, you know, we can always do in the future, a square body history episode, John and I can do those history episodes. We do heavy tech and stuff, but, you know, knowing that you're such a big square body guy as well as other trucks and in the doubler industry and all the other things, um, you know, I think it was more important to talk to, you know, I i have kind of always considered you like mr square body chevy guy i mean i know that your business idea and your business plan is for other vehicles as well but i'm sorry steven you're kind of stuck with that like you're (laughs) known to be the the
1: square body chevy guy out there and the sway bar disconnect guy
2: well yeah right now now the sway bar disconnect guy (laughs) yeah sure we uh you know a couple of years ago a few years whenever coming home from the sema show you know there was always a always this push you got to move into the new vehicles and man you look at the all the big lift kit companies and it's a race to get the newest thing out and you know now it's getting the newest CAD files before the vehicle's released so that you can have a suspension ready for it when this new model hits the showroom floor and you know and be ready to lift the truck when it comes off the dealer lot and we're coming home from SEMA at at one point, and there were so many square bodies floating around, and so much of this old stuff being built and used, and you know all the cool products for it. You know, people doing all the engine swap parts and cool tranny swaps, and on and on. And you know, we just had this thought: it's like we we could work on square bodies for the rest of our lives, and it would be okay. You know, we could make a living doing this. And especially, I mean, you look at early Broncos, they didn't even build a quarter million of those things. They built more Blazers in one year than they ever built little Broncos. Hmm. And there's, I don't know how many little Bronco specialty companies. So, you know, we did have that thought that, uh, you know, square bodies could be enough, but man, let me say, I I have this curiosity I when I sat up on the side of the mountain, but, Across from my parents' house, wondering what I was going to do, and decided that I was going to do this and see where it went. You know, I'm still trying to carry that curiosity in, and you know, we're we're starting to play with IFS now and see where that goes because that technology has increased so far. And you know, I've uh, I'm a co-driver in a an IFS Ultra Four car that's just amazing what that thing will do, even in the rocks. And it's uh, it's definitely getting to a point where there's there's all kinds of cool new stuff, but we're definitely not abandoning the squares you know that's uh there's such solid trucks i mean my my sixteen year old's building one now my nineteen year old has one sitting in the yard and he's working circles around it on all <laughs> kinds of other stuff but you know they're they're cool vehicles for for them to work on and it's equally cool for you know my electrician buddy to to have one that he drives every day, that he's got a an L92 and a six L80 in it, and I keep trying to talk him into putting some coilovers on it to just ice <laughs> the cake and you know and make it to where it doesn't rattle his teeth when he hits potholes, <laughs> you know it's they're, they're just a super cool platform to work with.
0: That uh, coilover setup that you're talking about, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, on the square body Chevys was wasn't the two wheel drive and four wheel drive frame the same?
2: They're really similar, but they're not the same.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, they're
2: close enough to where, like doing coilovers, it's essentially a four-wheel drive conversion. Um, when you start looking at Bolton leaves on them, we actually have a, a new hanger kit to uh, to put, uh, you know, to do a main eye hanger um, so you can convert them with the leaf springs. Um, so there's, there are games to play off of the two-wheel drives, and they were coil sprung. But uh, none of that's very useful as far as as making a a four-wheel drive truck work right. So we actually played around a little bit with coil springs by themselves, and the packaging is tough. Um, You know, it's not impossible, but it it really just came down to it's so easy to put a coil over in there and have a really good quality shock, have a very tunable spring rate, and And mounted up by welding a pair of tabs onto something to to bolt them onto, that we we started focusing that direction, and it's it's worked out really well.
0: Well, I guess my question um, was can somebody use your coilover kit to turn a two wheel drive square body into a four wheel drive? I mean, obviously, they got to do the trans and transfer case work and all that, but will the frame work?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. The, cool. the contours of the frame are very similar. It just comes down to bracketry. And when you're doing our coilover kit, you're not using any of the frame bracketry to to work with. So the, the frame rails work fine. And, I mean, that even flows out Dodge trucks. You know, the 70s and 80s Dodge trucks are so similar to a Chevy that we've had guys use our coilover kit on Dodges. Yeah, yeah and, the spring perch well. width
0: is basically the same. They're about thirty-two inches on the spring perch between yeah. the Chevy and the Dodge and all that. So the there. frame, yeah, man,
2: yep. frames real close. So lots of uh, lots of options there for for doing coilovers and two wheel drives to to convert.
0: Well, Stephen, um, not to cut you short, but we are kind of getting towards our time limit, and uh, our phone signal's coming in and out a little bit here too. It sounds like it sounds like John wants uh, he's got a question. I got one for you.
1: more question for you. So the yeah, last, no problem. last time we spoke with you, I made a note and I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, your phone number 970-945-7777. You said there's a story to that.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a story for everything, but. <laughs> So that, to get a commercial phone number that you got to pick was, I forget what the number was, but it had hundreds of dollars associated with it at a time that I wouldn't have paid $20 for a specific <laughs> phone number. And But I was living in my parents' basement, so we had residential phone there, but then when we moved our shop, you know, I, I wanted to get that 4 sevens phone number, and the only way I could do it was if you requested it for residential, they just gave you the phone number. Hmm. So we just kind of had an apartment at our shop for a while. And so I just requested that phone number for my residential line at the shop and got the phone number. And then after a couple of years, it just kind of got rolled into <laughs> the uh, the business line queue and and we were able to get the number. But yeah, I remember that. It, and it may have been like five hundred dollars at the time, but mm. you know it was. I mean, shoot! At that point, that was a set of tires. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when all I cared about was gas and tires, you know that was a big deal. So, yeah, that's the that's the deal. Is I had to had to get that for my residential number to start with.
1: That's awesome.
2: So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's, it's recognizable
2: sir. and uh, and has stood the test of time.
0: Absolutely, very very cool. I tell you what, you know, you've been a blast to talk to, and I think we're gonna have to have you on yet again in the future at some point, Um, especially when we get into, you know, maybe I've thought before, maybe we should do an entire episode just on doublers, and I think you would be a great guy to talk about those. Um, You know, a number of other things. Uh, You know, you're, you're just so, the problem here is you're so entrenched in this industry that, you know, just like any good storyteller, just like any good person that's been in this industry forever, um, you've had so much experience and so much time. You know, our listeners, I'm telling you what, if you are building a Chevy truck or you want to put a doubler or you want to do a solid axle swap on an IFS rig or something, you really need to be given off-road design a call. I mean, these folks, uh, as you can tell, we've been talking to Stephen here in episode 71 and 73, such passion such such passion for this industry and such passion for this hobby and this lifestyle um steven um you know I, I i don't want to cut you short or anything like that but is there is there anything that you you've got going on right now that you'd like to plug is there anything that our listeners really need to pay attention to that you've got going on right now that's really important to off-road design
2: so I have one thing that's really not that related to just our business that I should throw out that uh I don't know. I, I think it's important from a trail use standpoint. Um and it's something like I say, we've we've been into this for the off road use. Um I've been going on trails down in Moab since the mid nineties and just from a trail use thing. Um, it's something we see and fortunately the ultimate adventure trips have kind of forced us into wheeling a lot of places that we wouldn't really go. And, and it's been, it's really been great. I mean, I would never have driven to Maine to go four wheeling and I did. Yeah. And, and I'm appreciative of that, uh, of that opportunity. So one of the things that I see is for we four wheeling back East is just different. And we talk about these super long trips that I've been on where you're super remote. And I know that's, that's hard to find. You, you can't get that in Michigan or Indiana or, you know, getting down anywhere really East of Denver. You know, you don't find that. And it's something that, uh, people need to keep in mind is, is when you come out here, things are different. You know, it's, it isn't a park. You can end up really remote. You are really going into the outdoors. It's a, and in a different way, um, the trail etiquette is different. Uh, I know we've, it, it was shocking to me when we went to some private parks back East and we, I don't know if we were in Texas or Missouri or, you know, farther North and Midwest or what, but, you know, we had these farmers telling us they wanted us to drive down this this fence line or whatever to get back to this trail that they had because they'd only cut it out a couple of months ago and it was already overgrown. Gotcha. That is such a foreign thing for us because, you know, especially in the desert, you get out on the Colorado plateau and, you know, and even out in the Mojave and the, the terrain is pretty fragile. And, you know, I know back there, especially on private ground, I totally understand how people don't care if you get off of a trail and, you know, and go park over here or, you know, go drive around a rig to go over there because it doesn't matter. It's this stuff will grow back. It's not impacted. There's so much moisture that things are not a problem, but out here, you really got to pay attention to it and do, I guess just to keep things short, do some research on trail etiquette, um, for the area you're going to be in and, and really think about especially out here in the desert stay on the trails you know and, and think about this because we have a a lot of trails being opened up and the more capable vehicles and we're we're part of helping create this world we've created out of our full-size GM some really capable vehicles and you can shoot you can go out and put a down payment on a razor and have a very capable vehicle <laughs> or a down payment on a jeep rubicon and have a very capable vehicle and There's a lot of people getting into the outdoors that that didn't didn't start there. You know, they didn't they may be into it more for the sports side, but they're not as entrenched in that outdoor lifestyle and really need some help knowing how to handle themselves outdoors and make it so that we can still have vehicle access to a lot of these areas. And it, it is a lot different coming from back East. I'm, I bet a lot of your listeners or most of your listeners probably are there. And, uh, I guess it's just, a a request to know what you're doing when you come to a different place, no matter where it's at. And it could even be on our side. You know, I, like I said, I was shocked when we got to some of these parks back East and they don't care where you go at all. Just, you know, go, if you want to drive up that hill, go drive up that hill. that's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, take advantage of that (laughs) because that's not what all the world's like. And, uh, you know, let's all, all keep it together and, uh, and try to keep this stuff to where we can keep wheeling on it.
0: Absolutely. One of the things that we have, um, continued to promote through the Museum of Offered Adventure is, um, responsible trail usage. Um, you know, we stay anti-political on a purpose, but we try to get the people to, You know, we're trying to outreach to younger generations and things like that. For, uh, you know, saying, "Hey, this is something you can do. This is fun. Uh, Here's the history of the vehicles, but you can still go out and use these." And uh, that's what uh, you know. We've got this in mindset. So, you know, we're 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 out of time today. um, But I tell you what, I'm gonna let. I'm going to let Johnny Orange kind of talk to, or let everybody know where to find us. But stay on the line here. Um, we do have a couple of things that we want to talk to you about here. But uh, Stephen Watson, once again, of Off-Road Design, um, if people need to get a hold of you, it's, it's offroaddesign.com. Is that the, the website again?
2: Yeah, offroaddesign.com. Um, you know, There's contact us, all kinds of cool info. We're always putting up more stuff there. Um, socials. We got Offer a Design uh, on Instagram and on Facebook, and we can, you know, we got messaging systems there, so we can help you out there. Um, as uh, as Johnny mentioned, uh, 970-945-47s um, always, well, works during the day. Um, I doesn't go into my bedroom anymore, <laughs> not for the last 20-something years, so, <laughs> um, you know, welcome to call, and, you know, we've got a handful of people there that are well they're they're my people they they're like us yeah you know, they uh they four wheel and know these trucks and you know we're all happy to help you out and get your truck doing what you want to do
0: thank you so much
1: sir yes, thank you sir um john where else can they hear from us so if you go on facebook and search for four by four talk uh you can reach out and interact to keith and myself on there as well as the other listeners of wheeling i uh, got to give a huge shout-out and a thank you to Mr. Andrew, our producer. Uh, yet again, without him, none of this would be possible. Uh, you can also reach us on patreon.com slash Radio. Access to our after show, The End of the Trail. A lot of bonus content there, a lot of extra stuff. A little bit more free-range, shall we call it, than our normal show. <laughs> sure and uh yeah if you have any questions just feel free to reach out to us and we'll go from there so with that thanks for listening and have a good one everybody